Alrighty, welcome to episode 60, I think, of What We're Listening To, a show where uh, Josh and I give each other interesting things to listen to and chat about the things that we have been perusing. <laughs> uh, with me as always, as I mentioned, we have Josh, bleeding ears short. Oh. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have a quiz for you and please look, let's just go for a 50-50 answer. How okay. about that? Um, I'll explain the context for this, but I'm talking about the band OK Go in this quiz. Mm. And I've got a very simple question for you. Um, where did they get their name from? Oh. Uh, was it A, their art teacher always said OK Go, or B, that's the way they start their video shoots? This is complicated because I know this band is obviously very well known for their video shoots and their viral videos, but I don't think they started out that way. I think it's mm-hmm. something they kind of fell into. I think I don't know, I'm gonna go with A, to be honest. As weird as it may e- seem. No, no, you're correct. Yes. That's that's correct. I just came up with the last one because yeah. Um there so I read it says here, Damien and Tim, I don't even know who those two people are, but an art teacher who who always said, okay, go. They used this phrase as the name of a fake grunge band name. When they got big, they thought they had no choice but to keep it. Just to stick Apparently. with it. Maybe that's apocryphal, but uh, there you go. I just found it some dodgy trivia sites. So. No, that's fine. I, th- I think a lot of the time band names kind of suck and we just kind of live with it. Like you sent me that. Um, Instagram video or TikTok of the guy just like yeah, just yeah. listing off like fake British band names, and a lot of them could be real, but like it's just you know, like like a, yeah. like, a, like a truly cool band name doesn't really exist. There's always something kind of lame about it. No, I saw a tweet recently. It was like, who are these people? New Road, and why are they always collaborating with Black Country? <laughs> yeah, makes makes about as much sense, right? Yeah. So weirdly, I last night when I was just writing up my show notes, I was looking for an old video just on one of my hard drives, and I stumbled across like some OK Go video clips. Yeah, that like, and I was like, oh man, I had forgotten how good these were, and <laughs> um, and then I just went down a bit of a rabbit hole of like, you know, the behind the scenes, all the math and spreadsheets. Uh, involved in creating an okay video, yeah. okay go video clip, um, particularly. And I sent you the link again. The car one still blows my mind. Um, what's the name of the song again? It's like waiting, hoping, or something like that. I think is its name. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's right. Um, needing, getting. I think needing, getting needing yeah, is yeah. one thing. Getting is another. Yeah. And if those who have not seen it, I encourage you to check it out because. When you watch it and you realize they've got like 150 pianos lined up <laughs> along a racetrack and a car is going along and smacking into each one of them with a rubbery hand or pole and you know that they've tuned every one of those pianos to a single note is crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
and I realized I was like, the song's in six eight too. Yeah, like it's it, not like they. It's went, a good oh, song. Let's do a like, song in four four. <laughs> like a legit, I legitimately like that video and the song that it plays because it's, yeah, it's quite interesting. Like it's not an easy one to work out the maths of how far apart, what speed you need to be traveling, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, if you haven't watched it, check out the show notes and look at that clip. It's pretty mind boggling so yeah anyway there you go um did you have any follow-up yeah i have, I have a tiny episode? bit um go well our our favorite love to hate company spotify has been in the news recently um mm. for a whole bunch of things actually that i i have a, a triple streak this week so you have the video you sent me of them using ai generated music for their advertisements there. No, I sent you that this morning. Is it, that confirmed? That I think so, like yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. Because right. everyone in the comments was saying it was. I couldn't find. Um, they have the their new program, which is a vertical video TikTok competitor. Uh-huh. And their announcement of a new, like, pay to be part of the algorithm and, yes, like, receive yes. more funds. <laughs> like, it's so, I don't know. Like, this last week and a half of their their job as a company has been so like revealing of how like transactionary they think of their like music as a product. Yeah. I don't know. It's <sighs> maybe we need to move to Deezer, bro. Like we'll just, cause we both use Bandcamp to buy stuff, but like the playlist thing is handy. Maybe it's, maybe it's time. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's such a model. Deezer is pretty good. But, company. Oh no. Title title. That's it. Yeah. I mean, title. I don't really want to give title money either, to be honest. Anyway. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, Spotify continues to be evil, surprising nobody. That's my catch. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, uh, yeah, it just that that tweet I sent you this morning. What was the what was the guy? It, the the person who made the tweet uh, made the game Jazz Punk. And um, oh. <laughs> he tweeted out. It was like. Nothing showcases Spotify's absolute disdain for artists and musicians and their use of this, of this AI-generated music in the ad. What genre is this supposed to be? Auto-tuned llama-bleating raga world hop? <laughs> uh, it's just, it's very, it's very interesting, isn't it? Like, you and I know, I don't have anything against kind of using um, generative music and that sort of thing, but it seems very weird that, when you're promoting artists to not use any of the artist's music, yeah, that will cost too much. I suppose. Uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, we, we can we can argue about the the theoretical ethics of like prompting versus like derivative yes. sampling, but I at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. you would think that like a company which is essentially a music library that has sponsored artists that they promote would use some of that music to promote their company. Mm, um, yeah. But, Whatever. Whatever. Um, I've got two little follow-up things. Oh, shit. Um, last year, last year, last episode, you were talking about Paranul. Um, yes. I picked up After the Magic, and I can see what you mean about a lot of top end on their mix. Um, yeah, it is a little bit piercing, but I was really blown away by some of the, like, structures of their songs mm. and some of the really... Uh, lush instrumentation, particularly like the first song or two, they were really good. So yeah, 
and secondly, um, you sent me the the link, but yes, I think I didn't realize that the new Mutual Neutral Milk EP is a part of a big box set that's been released <laughs> of like basically the back catalogue of Neutral Milk. So it's two EPs, a couple of singles, and obviously in an aeroplane over the sea and on Avery Island, plus all these other things for like 150 USD. So if you're a hardcore hardcore fan, go for it. Um, I'm not sure that I'll be getting that, but it looks great. (laughs) Yeah, we're entering this weird phase of like vinyl releases where companies and bands are doing like, you know, re-releases and restructuring. Like, oh, you wanted a a Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Anniversary Edition? Well, here's one that's like, you know, f- 15 vinyls long. You're like, I don't really, like, I don't need that much of a of a re-release, <laughs> you know? Like, maybe halfway. Let's go halfway next time, shall we? And, oh, but they're not making any money off streaming, Josh. They're, they're not. And <laughs> yeah, that's fair, anyway. actually. <laughs> Yeah, and they're not getting as many gigs at the moment, and so paraphernalia it is. Yeah, yeah. We'll go anyway. That's a this is a good start to the episode. <laughs> Depressing <laughs> chats about the state of the music industry. Should we talk about some music? Let's talk about some up and comers, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. On Bandcamp's kind of like new music feed, I spotted this kind of unsettling <laughs> image of a of a woman Blech. with like black pipes coming out of her mouth and thought oh yeah that sounds interesting no um <laughs> the the write up was like this album follows the journey of a cyborg um finding liberation and i was like mm, interesting i was interested in sci-fi concepts so this album is called follow the cyborg by miss grit now miss grit is a um American Korean electronic musician. Uh, she studied electronic music in New York, and this is her first LP. She's done a couple of EPs before this, um, but this seems to be the one that is kind of really making waves. Um, although her first EP, Talk Talk, I think, um, kind of got her on the map, but this yeah. full length one has kind of been, yeah, uh, weighted and it's really good. Um, I, I'm a real fan of, um, not only like having good melodies and interesting structures in synth pop. Like I was into churches a few years ago and I still do like them, but they are much more on the pop end of synth pop. And this is kind of synth pop, but with a little bit more kind of structural integrity, Yeah, like not as predictable um, particularly when you like listen to the first song and you move through this Moby-esque sort of down-tempo beat and then it changes again with these interesting string samples and stuff. Like um, She's really done a great job of instrumentation on this album and also she's written really great songs. Um, I think I love about 70% of the album, but that's because there's a couple of tracks that are like concept filler sort of thing, <laughs> like one that's just called buffering and it's like random sounds so um really i really like the tracks i love the most um probably like nothing's wrong um Mm. uh what's the one hold up your hands lane uh something 
uh, phone clone, um, which is great. Follow the cyborg. And then towards the end, you've got like the end and sinking. Like she, she's got some really strong tracks on this album and they tend to have really unpredictable endings. Like they all kind of uh, go somewhere you don't expect. Um, and this is kind of like an album of the year contender for me. I think it's a really strong one. Ooh. The only thing that disappointed me a little bit was, you know how when you do a dual concept, like this album is about a cyborg finding liberation, but it's also about her living in her current context. Mm. I feel like I got lost on both of those threads. I'm not <laughs> quite sure what's happening with the cyborg or what's happening with her. Sure. So that's my only downer on it. But did you get to listen to it? Yeah, I went through a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> you're right in that the instrumentation is one of the things that jumps out at you, especially the strings for me. Like a lot of the time, hmm. um, at least these strings would be synthesized rather than like uh, actual and then hmm. spliced. And I think the you can tell the difference between um, the two of those things. Like these are real strings that have been kind of um, hmm. orchestrated. And then the thing that I noticed is that a lot of the time, like the songs kind of will go their direction and it's the, the guitar is usually the instrument of chaos. Um, mm, yeah. N- that wasn't meant to be a pun. And um, after watching some online clips of her playing, she's mm. usually the one that plays the guitar and does these like kind of crazy riffs that kind yeah, of ups, yeah, upset, ups, upset the song, which I think is a really interesting feature of like, you know, you have this or you have this piece of music and then she's the one that kind of brings it to <laughs> its like weird standstill as like the, the main piece. Um, mm. Yeah. Reminds me of the Destiny Bros stuff in like, um, um, afraid of everyone. And yes. Yeah, or like, uh, or some like early Johnny Greenwood parts that are like a little bit chaotic in the sideline. You're like, I don't know why yeah, these are here, yeah. but they work. Um, yeah, so I had the uh, the opener, Perfect Blue, and Nothing Is Wrong, as well as like a couple of my faves. Yeah, I, hmm. I enjoy this a lot too. Cool. Thanks for listening to it. Hey, yeah, I I've had Lane clone, uh, Lane phone clone in my head for ages. It's really catchy and arrives at this chorus very quickly. It's a very interesting structure again. So yeah, Miss Grit. I checked out her other EPs too and um they're good, but I, I really like this new album. So Yeah. You sent me a thing yeah. she's she's touring with David Byrne. Is that what you is that what you sent me where she's opening for him? In New York um, or something like that? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I'm getting know. mixed up because David Byrne's doing stuff with Sun Lux at the Oscars. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's with David Byrne. I I can't remember. Sorry, he gets around. Yeah, can't keep track of him. I know. What's the old quote? He'll collab with anyone for five dollars and a bag of Doritos. <laughs> Let's move on to your review because you've got a a good one too. Um, okay, so uh, myself, I have been. Well, actually, you sent this to me, of like, hey, have you checked these guys out? And that kind of reminded me um, of the band called Shame. Um, so I listened well, to their second yeah, album a little bit. I saw on the um, subreddit for Black Country New Road, they're like the Windmill Club. Who's the fourth member? You know, yeah. there's Squid, Black Country, Black Midi, and then someone's like Shame. And so that's why I sent you that. But you, you'd already checked out their previous one. Yeah. Well, and on that day, they actually released an album, which neither of us knew. So we kind of like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is all working out for the best. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so their uh, their album previous to this one called Drunk Tank Pink actually got a lot of attention, but I mm. I don't think I was quite in the right season for it. Um, on the contrary, this new album of theirs, which is called Food for Worms, I am very much into. I think it's mm. uh, yeah. I, I I like that they're part of that uprising contemporary British scene because I mm. think there's something to be said for how these like pieces fit together, but we'll get to that. Um, Mm. This record I think is excellent. And it reminds me a lot of some of the more melodic alternative bands from the early two thousands, which still have that kind of punch when they need to, but know Mm. when to have like really great harmonies, lead lines. Um, Like it doesn't have to be maximum all the time. Like this is a really um, well balanced album like things are in the right place the right time um and i was kind of digging around and seeing people are talking about it and like some guys are talking about how it's not going to get like rave reviews it's going to get positive reviews but it's going to like keep on being a gold standard in its own way and i kind of see how they're talking about because a lot of these songs aren't as experimental or out there as like your black midi or your mm. black black country or your squid per se, but they're really solid and they're mm. they're great where they need to be. And I'm you know I'm a sucker for gang vocal choruses and good guitar lines, big drums, <laughs> big drums. Yeah. Um, yeah. So by and large, this is an album I think on uh, a reflection on friendship in a digital age. I think that's what I got out of it. Um, mm. There's a lot of songs about like comparative personalities to other people, like a media presence or like your fitness or addiction or public images. Mm -hmm. And I think you get that most of all in my favorite song on the album, which is called Adderall, which is about like, it's about addiction and like trying to hide who you are. Um, And so it's this kind of wonderful little meditation on, um, you know, being a, being a millennial in this kind of new uh, mm. weird world. And I kind of love that about a, like this rock band, I guess it's kind of like fiddlehead where you have this like uh, emotional pathos. That's quite open and easy to understand. Like there's no like shrouding and metaphor, but it's not um, depressive or asking for sympathy necessarily. Like it's still kind of mm. got that rock and roll attitude behind it. Um, but it's still a motive. So I kind of, I love that about it. Um, yeah. I I must confess I didn't get far through it. Sure. Um, but I, I did watch that clip for Fingers of Steel, the like single, yeah. <laughs> um, of them where he's like dancing a lot and like making social media content. And it's like this, um, it, yeah, it was poignant as well as gritty and, you know, sort of thing. So yeah. I don't know. I it's It's an interesting mix, like you say, of kind of very poignant, perceptions on things but also quite a rough around the edges sound it's very yeah it's very kind of like simple in a good way like the elements are simple and I think that that doesn't attract me as much um because I do like the weirdness of squid um (laughs) and and that that's one of the things which really attracts me to them but these guys like you say like they're doing a really good thing and and we hope they keep doing it. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, there's a, um, 
a European like musical professor that I or literary professor that I watch sometimes who does like music reviews. Um, oh yeah, that are very long and in depth, and he kind of. He made an interesting point, which I'm not sure how much I agree with, but like there's um, as far as music in the British Isles at the moment, like post-punk mm. is definitely like one of the more um, prominent things. And the like more and more that label doesn't really mean anything like there's nothing particularly punk about this album. There's nothing particularly post-punk about this album. It's it's. It has like lots of um, references and, you know, things that it draws from, like all the other bands around it. Mm. Um, and more and more, I think those, like, I think this movement in England is becoming more and more synonymous with like m- just modern rock, like alternative rock is just kind mm. of this more expansive from like the idols to shame and everything in between. And you have like more proggy stuff, more weird stuff. And it's all kind of under the same umbrella. Cause you don't really get other kinds of rock mm. music anymore. Or at least like, you know, you got like the Foo Fighters, but they're kind of mainstream and pop. Yeah. You don't get like straight rock, like just yeah. vanilla. And so I, I <laughs> like, so I think this as a movement is starting to adopt just so many different subgenres that it's becoming mm. its own thing. And I don't know what it will call it at this point, if it's just going to be like the British alternative movement of the 2020s. But I think it's mm. um, it's really interesting. And it needs bands like Shame um, who put out like appealing things, not just like how far can we push the envelope things, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, no, so, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's fair because I will often lead lean towards the more experimental side <laughs> of what I'm interested in, and it's uh, it's really interesting seeing the different fans of all these things. And when they were talking on Reddit about the Windmill Club, you know, some people were like, "I must admit, Shame are my favorite," and someone's like, "That makes me very sad," because <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. I, I think that sometimes there is that like, oh, I really like this very highbrow art. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is typical of musicians. We we like to think, oh, I'm into something which is very heady and intellectual as well. So mm. you know. I'm glad I'm glad that there's people who are saying we're gonna write really thoughtful music and we're not necessarily going to try and make it the most complex thing uh you've ever heard. Like we want to just make really good music, and if it ends up being complex or simple, that's fine. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was very unsurprised to find out that this was produced by um, the guy who made most of the Smashing Pumpkins records. I think they they oh, bear a right. similar kind of sound, which I very much enjoy. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so hmm. uh, listen to Shame. I think this album is hmm. really good. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give right. more of a listen. Uh, homework time. Yeah. So, uh, I accidentally gave Josh um, eh. Mersbo's Pulse Demon. Um, so, <laughs> I think there was a mix-up in our texts. Apologies, Joshua. And um, I meant to give him a Flowex album. That's okay. We're going to talk about um, <laughs> the seminal album or kind of the main 
album that Mersbo is famous for. If you don't know who Mersbo are, that's okay. Uh, Mersbo is a Japanese harsh noise um, kind of sound artist. He has a huge amount of albums out and he's very much like kind of a um, vegan animal rights activist. You'll, If you follow his Twitter, it's mostly doves and vinyl records. Um, and so his... I've had my eye on him for a while and the last Bandcamp Friday I picked up the remastered edition of Pulse Demon um, and it's kind of the quintessential noise, uh, harsh noise album out there. came out in 97, I think, so it's kind of like, um, you know, one of the biggest and oldest in that way. I don't know a lot about the harsh noise scene and I've accidentally given it to Josh, but <laughs> let's have a chat, Josh. What did you think? <laughs> Man, if this is the remastered version, I can't imagine what the old one I know, was. Right? Um, Compressors are working yes. overtime. Yes. Um, I This is called like harsh noise or uh, experimental noise. I'd even go farther to say I would call this genre um, speaker killers. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, an experiment on how far the envelope can be pushed while still classifying something as music. Mm. Um which, you know, obviously is a bit out of my wheelhouse normally. Um, so, like, the moment you turn this record on, it's a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten what this was and wasn't expecting that. So I was definitely like, whoa. <laughs> Would um, pick so one. be warned. <laughs> yeah, but this is like, sometimes when you play a video game, they have, like, epilepsy warnings. I think this, like, album needs one of those, but for, like, mm-hmm. hearing. Yeah. Um, so once you, like, push past the like screaming wave of sound initially you can like try and go along for the ride and see where this monolith of sound is moving towards. And I, like, admittedly it's hard to pin down cause this thing is um, so, so experimental. Yeah. And it's so long. Mm. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll say that. I, like, I went through, I was going through different music reviews to see like what people said about this record and they're all um, dramatic. <laughs> well, yeah. And in like the public review forums, it's like, this is a four out of 10. This is a 10 out of 10. This is a one out of 10. It's there. There's no middle ground on this record whatsoever. It's like so divisive. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, cause it's, it's like, it's an artistic project and for for that you have to judge like intent versus consumption like like i can't deny like mersbo's like uh like artistic attempts to make this thing you know he's picking out sounds he's doing some on the fly he mm. has an artistic vision behind this and me listening to it and hearing you know this like explosion of sonic violence I, it's such a hard thing to like rectify to some degree. Mm. Um, yeah, like like who's that composer we talked about last night who has the four minutes thirty three seconds? Oh, John um, Cage. Yeah, yeah, John Cage. Like it's like it's a similar vein of like not performative art, but like art that is, um, like a project for the project's sake. And so you're kind of yeah, like, it's an idea. Well, how do I? Yeah, how do I judge this? Because um, it's not necessarily pleasant to listen to. <laughs> no, it, um, and it's it's actually interesting in that um, 
Like I'm pretty tolerant of most sounds. Like and this is not the first noise album I've listened to. But it's interesting yeah. how different sounds affect your body physically. Like yes. um you know like when I listen to Chill Hop, you know, they've they've shown that certain tempos below a certain BPM, I think it's 60, start to slow your heart down. Whereas when I'm listening to this, like I could feel my heart raised in, and I don't mean to be hyperbolic. Like I'm not trying to be like, this is the cutting edge, like some of those pitchfork reviews. It's just yeah. the nature of texture and it's fascinating texture to listen to. Um, but it, it is very heavy. Like it, but then coupled with the fact that he's like, you know, animal rights activist, like you could probably go, oh, he's very passionate about this and so he's angry about those sorts of things. But it's not like he's a, this is not like death metal where he's like super mm. angry. It's like he's just interested in textures, at least as far as I can tell. So it is very, it's interesting from that concept. And you're right in that like it is a test to see, well, what can we do with Sonic palettes, you know? And 4 yeah. minutes 33 is a test of like what we can do with sound. Uh, or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I had I hate here. This is so extreme; it almost physically pushes me away from listening to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I I can't imagine because like he he um, at least in the nineties he would perform this at, like shows and clubs. Like mm. going to this kind of thing. I mean, I imagine taking some kind of illicit substance and just kind of having your face blown off is quite a is quite an image by what this album can do i guess um well a lot of my like instagram feed <laughs> is like random kind of noise event stuff um and i saw one the other day where this guy was dunking his head into a bucket of water <laughs> and he had, had a piezo mic like a waterproof one underneath the water is just screaming into it. And there's all the bubbles and the sounds put through distortion pebbles, pedals. So like noise, noise sets are like a real performance art kind of thing as well. It's like, it's like oh, the Moby um, uh, postal service thing where he's like screaming and yeah, rolling yeah, yeah. on the table and stuff. Like it's real, it's real performance art sort of thing. Yeah. And it's I like, like performative that. jazz too. Yeah, I like it as a concept. I'm not sure that I would like feel totally at home at every noise gig. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I found this album really, um, really interesting. I even tried to make a little bit of noise, but it just ended up being ambient noise. It's a bit too subtle. I, I'm amazed at how like in your face he's managed to make it while not blowing out his computer. Like that's yeah. the really tricky part. And, you know, so he's just really done a good job of harnessing almost pure raw noise because it often gets hidden behind production and that sort yeah. of thing. And I think that's part of the point of this album. Like you can definitely tell once you get past like the cresting waves, there is something else behind it out there hmm. that you can kind of sit in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do get to, you get used to the level when you find appropriate volume level when it kind of becomes palatable in a way. <laughs> But I was interested in the fact that these are separate songs and they're, they've got names and they've got apparent structures too that we just can't quite tell. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, I'm hijacking. Is there, were there any no, other things right. you wanted to say about that? I I mean, I'm glad I gave it a shot. I yeah. This is very um, interesting, but yeah. not, you know, 
I wouldn't sit down and put this on. No, no, neither would maybe, I. Maybe to scare like rodents away from my household or something like that. Yeah, I've chucked it on a few times throughout the past few weeks and you do have to be in a certain place or mood to like commit to it. It's not just my, my background working music. Yeah, <laughs> or in your sure. case, sleeping as you, as you like to do with homework. <laughs> All right. Why don't you tell people what you gave me and we can move on to something that perhaps is a bit more yes. mainstream. On a very different note. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I offered you something new or something old and you asked for something old. So mm. um, I gave Asher the first post Beatles record by George Harrison. He had one before this one, but this is the first after the mm-hmm. um, the Beatles. This is a bit of a classic rock monolith of a record. It is the first three vinyl album ever produced mm. um uh called uh all things this too must shall pass. pass all things must pass yeah. yeah and it's it's got some of the most famous like post beatles songs is like imagine and then a bunch of the ones off of this record are kind of like up there at the top mm. um and in my opinion it's kind of it's a it's a great window into the songwriting of George, which you can kind of go back and then listen to and like old Beatles or traveling Wilbury songs and see like, actually this is how he does things. Um, yeah. Even if it is a bit too long, it is some excellent songwriting. So I'm glad you finally have a, had a, had a stab at it at least. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so my dad has told me about this album a few times. Like he, funnily enough, I was texting him I sent him a screenshot of listening to, um, I think, uh, if not for you. And he's like, I was just listening to this album. So, you know, um, and I knew that it was big and I'd seen the triple vinyl somewhere in a store. Um, The thing I find a bit frustrating with these remastered editions, like there's a whole bunch of like, you know, what is life backing track? Like, and I find it frustrating. I want to just listen to the, the album as it was like front to back sort of thing. And it was tricky um, because I was like, have I heard this song before? Oh, it's another slightly stripped down version. I just want to hear all the songs start to finish. So, yeah, that's yeah, the, the problem it, with that it, streaming. There's a couple of different versions. There's like the original, and there's like a 20th year anniversary and like a 50th year anniversary. Right, and they're all and they're all this like longer and longer and longer for yeah. sure. Which kind of it really I really struggled to get like a concept of the big picture of the album too. Like I know. Mm thematically you know this all things must pass which interesting is not the bible verse which which is this too shall pass which is kind of reminiscent of the way this album you know mixes all sorts of religious ideas which is which is quite interesting the whole you don't need a temple you don't need a uh, a church or you don't need this kind of thing it's like um what song is that uh what i can't remember that? there's yeah no it's but, one- but it's really interesting um, lyrically. Um, musically, I think I liked a lot of the upbeat songs a little bit more. Um, mm. Like, is it Let It Down that's quite upbeat? Apple Scruffs is cool. Awaiting <laughs> on You All. Um, and If Not For You is kind of like chill. That feels like an old school Beatles song. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah, I... I find the like slower songs a little bit dragging. 
I get tired of like the acoustic sound, which is kind of like too loose and feels like everything is slowing down a little bit. But um, I heard your what you referenced as the sneaky diminished chords in there a lot. And they, <laughs> they are very subtle. Like he's such a good writer in terms of mm. his chord progressions mm. and melodies and that sort of thing. Um, it is hard to know like, yeah, how these songs are all connected. Like um, is this album the one that he was writing in secret during Let It Be or? I mean, it, yes, partially. A number of these songs are even from older albums. Right. Um, that were rejected from like the white album and revolver and that kind of stuff. He's, he's had his right. built for a number of years. Mm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, All things P- must pass was really good. And my sweet Lord I'd heard before. Like I know that was a very <laughs> famous one. Yes. Um, and it's nice. It's kind of like that antiphonal bluesy sort of gospel feel. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and very influenced by like um, Hinduism and Hare Krishna stuff um, from their trip over there. It's it's very interesting. Uh, what yeah. are, what my, are your so, favorite songs and stuff on this? Yeah, so My Sweet Lord was such a huge hit that it actually annoyed John Lennon. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, I can't turn on the radio and not hear My Sweet Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and he said it in an interview. Um, yeah. Interestingly, uh, George didn't know how to like what to do with that song when he wrote it, and he gave it to their friend Billy Preston, and he did a version first, which is actually more gospel and Motown than even George's version is. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I, I love about this album is that I mean, there's a bit of like musical vindication, you know. Um, the Beatles, when they write albums, they're like, oh, it's always John and Paul. And we're like, we'll give two mm. to George and one to Ringo. And like, they'll be happy about that. Um, yeah. And George is like, I have all this stuff. And I've yeah. been writing all these songs for so long. And mm. some of them are really, really good. Like, mm. I think this album is obviously too long. Um, and you kind of get this like varying degrees of like, oh, yeah, this is okay. And like this one is like a classic and you kind of like, it's hard to kind of balance those two um, over and over. Like if this album was instead like 12 songs long and like, like it's already considered like a bit of a, you know, legendary album, I think it would be even better. Yeah. Um, But I, I do love that you can kind of, you can get a sense of, um George as a writer like you have like the simple chords with like the diminished flares you have these beautiful harmonies all over the place mm. and the key changes that he likes to do yeah um and then I don't the think slide the chords g- are simple i i think some of the like progressions are actually quite advanced in typical yeah. beatles form like it doesn't always follow what i'm expecting um yeah and so i th- i think like you get these pictures of who he is as a musician and like the answer is like he's very talented and these songs are beautiful melodic pieces and like you kind of get like it's a bit of a shame that they can't they never worked this out as like a band you know yeah um like like some of the post beatles pieces could have been improved maybe if they did it together you don't know but Mm. um yeah, and I kind of love that it's not like you have like 
I don't know. After like a band like this breaks up and the, like you all release something, you know, Paul goes really hard on the pop scene. Ringo makes kind of like more old school music, like from his childhood. John makes something that's really angry and mm. like about his mother. And then George kind of assembles all these songs that he's had and um, just kind of like does something creative. Like he actually stretches himself. He releases this interesting, like huge record and it's really successful and it shows him as like an actual artist. And I think I really like that part of it. Like, Mm. yeah, it is still quite a bit of a mishmash of ups and downs. Um, yeah, which is probably the whole thing of like, I did write this a long time ago when I was maybe in a different phase and now I'm doing it again in a different way. Cause we go yeah. from like songs which have big drums and strings and stuff and then right down to very quiet things like it, you know, it, there's a lot of different kinds of songs on this one album. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it is interesting because when I was watching that documentary, the, the whole let it um get back one, you could see that George was struggling to fit in amongst George uh, so Paul and um John. And yeah. you could see the way like he wanted to do different things. And the fact that he like he wasn't singing tons was also really interesting. Like, he's a good singer. Yeah, he's a really good singer. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's fascinating, isn't it? I, I feel yeah. like I haven't properly listened to the other members and their other work. <laughs> so maybe that's your, your job is to like help me to compare them because obviously I've heard John Lennon's big ones. I've only heard a couple of like wing songs maybe. Um, mm. so like, I don't really know a lot of Paul's solo work and I barely heard any of Ringo's so you know it is it's hard to compare like (laughs) and even within Beatles stuff like you know that there are certain things that I like more than others and you're probably the same as well so they are just such a diverse group of musicians who have written diverse things and I guess you compare it to like you know you look at Genesis and then you look at Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel coming out of that I haven't listened to tons of Genesis, but I really resonated with Peter Gabriel stuff. And so, yeah, sometimes I guess there are songs that can be done solo that are difficult to do as a group. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, you just reminded me on a, on a Phil Collins note. Yeah. Um, I think uh, George Harrison really took to heart the idea of collaborative music rather than exclusive music when he made this album. Hmm. So this, this record is chock full of people playing with him. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, Eric Clapton, Ringo's on a couple here. Um, and then you reminded me, Phil Collins is on a couple songs. Bob Dylan is as well. Yeah. Like there's like, there's so many people. And I think the attitude of like, actually let's have as many, like friends on a record as possible is quite interesting. It's so different from the Beatles themselves. Um, yeah. yeah. But yes. Although towards the end, the Beatles did start collaborating, um, getting uh, that keys player on 
let it be. Billy Preston. Yeah, that's his name. He's fantastic. But hmm, I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is so big. Like not just this album, but just the the Beatles and all their members. Like (laughs) I've had, because you were the one who finally got me into the Beatles properly and I feel like I've still not had enough time to grasp their work. (laughs) That's fine. They're not going anywhere. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, interesting. Um, yeah. Good on you for having a listen. Maybe they'll give you a Paul record one of these days. I reckon that would be a good idea. Yeah. I don't particularly love his earlier stuff. There are, there's one song that I like. Maybe I'll put it in the honorable mentions, but there's one song by Paul that's pretty good. Nice. Um, speaking of honorable, honorable mentions. mentions time. Yep. Yes. Um, just before I forget, you, I was just mentioning Peter Gabriel you're not going to go and spend $600 on tickets in van? No, I'm, <laughs> I might go and try to see Crowded House who are coming to town, which would oh, be really nice. fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peter Gabriel's been releasing like a single every full moon at the moment. I haven't actually yeah. kept up with every single that's come out. Did I mention, I listened to the first one. Did I mention that a few weeks back? No, nor that he's become a werewolf, I, apparently, which is yeah, also no, interesting. Yeah, no, I forgot to mention that as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's some new album. I think it's called I.O., like In Out. Mm. Um, and I was talking with someone else about his song. And, it, it, like, it, it has a bit of a dated feel, but at the same time, like, you can it, you can tell it's different. Like, it's it's like he's not these tried to just do exactly the same thing, but um, it does have, like, I don't think he can escape his sound in some mm. ways. Yeah, he's mm. read it, released three songs so far. Pan-o- Panopticon, The Court, and Playing for Time. And so he's okay. been releasing, like, interestingly, different remixes. So he's released, like, the first song has two different remixes and the same. It's like the dark side and the bright side. So I think it's to do with moons mm. and stuff. So anyway, I need to catch up on his singles, but just wanted to put that there as an honorable mention to check it out if you are a Peter Gabriel fan. Um, so I've been doing something that's been a bit fun. And the reason I got into OK Go was I was trying to look for some old Me Without You videos. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, I stumbled upon... Um, like a Me Without You song knockout thing in March Madness. And so they're, they've got a little like um, verses where songs go head to head and you got to pick your vote for your favourites and then the next round comes on the next round. And so it made me go, ah, oh, I should do a full listen through all of Me Without You. And I've <laughs> found a playlist and it's 113 songs and six hours oh. and 50 minutes. They have a lot of songs in their career. And I think I was it was remiss of me to not mention that they had their, like, farewell tour last year. I might mm. have mentioned it, but they finished up um, and had this, like, amazing farewell tour. And actually our mutual friend Mark went and saw a, one of the final gigs. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And he said it was fantastic. And so... Um, I'm a bit sad to have missed them, but I've been watching one of the live shows that got recorded and put up online mm. legally. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, seeing them play all these like favorites and 
all this sort of thing. So anyway, Me Without You, pretty amazing. We've talked about them before, but I thought I'd just mm-hmm. highlight that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just got a couple more. Weird Al or Weird, the Al Yankovic <laughs> story. <laughs> I forgot I forgot you were going to talk about this. So I warned you. I was like, I'm going to talk about the Weird movie. Um, oh, for those who have not followed it, there is a new <laughs> Weird Al biopic with, um, well, it's not a biopic. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Starring mm-hmm. Daniel Radcliffe. So it's a spoof on biopics, which is very on brand for Weird Al. Um, and... So it's the fictitious life of Weird Al Yankovic and almost like a opposite, you know, whereas he had a very quiet life, you know, brought up by, you know, loving parents who wanted him to like (laughs) do all the things that he really loves in the movies. His parents say, we don't want you to do any of the things you love, Um, you know, and so it's very, it's a very opposite story, you know, involving kind of like um, all the typical things which are in biopics. my wife made a good point that it kind of like a little insensitive in times because some people do go through all those hardships in the <laughs> rock and roll scene. But at the same time, I think the point was another friend made that it's, it's kind of spoofing the way Hollywood portrays this glamorous life yeah. and all the like the way that they must go through this hardship to write such great art. So, and, and yeah. also himself, which is like, like he's the, He's the butt of the joke in the end because he is yes. not this like rock and roll star. He's a no. He's a nerd. He's a weirdo. <laughs> he's a a lovely guy who writes funny um, parody songs. <laughs> and so I've been listening to a lot of Weird Al this week and rewatching video clips and just appreciating great. how great. <laughs> how great I, is. I should say I think it's I think some people were having a hard time picking this movie apart because there are. Like, tr- like true things that mm. did happen to him are in the film. Yes. Like yeah. him getting signed by Dr. Demento and Capitol mm-hmm. Records and that, like those are true events that happened to him, yeah. but it's like, they're like sensationalized and changed, yeah. which is why this is like, so people are like, is is this a spoof? Is this not a spoof? We can't tell. It's and then very clever. Like, it, I have to admit it's very clever. And even at the end, when they start showing real photographs of Weird Al, then they start showing more photographs with him, like photoshopped next to Madonna and photoshopped in a, you know, South American jungle with a machine gun. Like it's, you know, you just think, oh, we're here. And then it's like, no, 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 we're still not here. <laughs> what's the, what's the Homer Simpson quote? He who's tired of Weird Al is tired of life. <laughs> really? Is that Simpson's yeah. quote? <laughs> this is a quote. Amazing. I, it's, yeah. It's I funny. mean, it's weird that they they made him re-record a bunch of his older singles as for for audio tracks to use in like background yeah. of the movie. So it's like there's newer versions of some of his really really old songs. Um, yeah, it's, it, he. Uh, I think the soundtrack is enormous. I mean, there's he was saying there's lots yeah. of you know orchestral score on there as well, but like he re-recorded a bunch of stuff. And I was looking into his. His other works. Have you heard the like Hamilton poker he did? <laughs> so he did this this um this uh, mashup of like fourteen different songs from Hamilton as a poker, and Lin Manuel Miranda and Jimmy Fallon were like gushing over it. It's just he's just so prolific. It's quite amazing. 
So yeah. Anyway, and it's it's been a while since his last record. I've been waiting to see if he puts one out in the last like fifteen mm. years. I think he's probably been busy with this one, <laughs> with this movie. Yeah, he's, he's been touring as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to flag that about how much I enjoy his music, um, <laughs> and yeah, just these quite special. And I, the thing I want to, this is my last bit, and I'm not going to say anymore. Um, I like how lovely the people he covers are about his music, like the the way they really not just that they get the Yankovic bump as they say, but mm. like so many people love his versions. Um, you know, even to the point where the presidents of the USA, when he covered Lump as Gump, they like finished the song with his version, like um, how about that <laughs> or something like that. So it's this weird cycle of he covers and they imitate his cover and the, you yeah. know. So it, so many people just love his versions and don't take themselves too seriously. And the famous awesome. one about Lady Gaga is he did the cover and her record label said no. And she was like, don't listen to them. I reckon you should do it. Go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just interesting, the whole relationship between him and yeah. the artists. I think when he did like the Smells Like Teen Spirit, mm. Kirk Cobain said in an interview, like that's the point that they knew that they'd made it in the music industry when Weird Al was doing a parody of one of those songs. <laughs> I think really he funny. actually called a studio where Nirvana were about to play and was trying to like talk to, over the phone. He's like, can I cover your song? You know, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> you know. So anyway, that's all. That's all. That's all have for you. Have you got some honourable mentions? <laughs> I do have some honourable mentions. Um, first is a bit of a disappointment for me. Oh. Um, so the Gorillas put out a new album um, yes. called Cracker Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to put this. So um, there's kind of... Because uh, we, we haven't talked about the two albums that happened after Plastic Beach on purpose, because I think they're trash. Is that The um, Fall and um, something else? Not even The Fall. It's called The Now Now and Humans are the, are the two after that. Right, um, yeah. They, um, this, this is a weird sentence to say, but I think um, they are pop-influenced rather than pop-influencing and... To me, that makes them exceedingly boring. Um, so, especially the now, now that record, I think, is a solid three out of ten. Um, and so, this version is like a th- this album is like a better version of that record. Um, it's still very pop influences. The number of songs which feel kind of like right by numbers, Gorillaz songs, but without like any of the flair. Um, there are a couple shining moments, like the main title track, the first track, um, and then the second one, Oil, with um, Stevie Nicks is okay. And then one of the tracks at the end, um, what's it called? Um, Skinny Ape is yeah. like a self is like a self-referential, um, like Damon Albarn, like referencing being the gorillas and like how it's kind of ridiculous. Those two songs are okay. It's just hmm. the rest of the album is just like Snorefest for me. Um, the Tame Impala one wasn't good? I mean, I'm not a huge Tame Impala fan to begin with. Um, sure. But yeah, that song, Snooze. I, hmm. And it's a shame because a lot of the artists that are like on this record with him, you would like hope 
like push it to be better, but it's just like super safe. Um, yeah, this doesn't do anything special, which to me is always a disappointment for the gorillas. It's sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think anyway, that that's all I'll say about that. I was, I was expecting more. Um, song machine is better. Let's say that. Um, next, Mm. um, Moby. I, for some reason, um, Mm. went through and have been listening to some old, Moby records in nice. particular one called uh wait for me which is a double record where he has um wait for me and then he has an ambient um vocalist version of it, which is different um track order but it's like the second half of the album um right. yeah i i don't know why i i really um needed a record that was um what i call a de-stressor at the moment i was um, you know, having a bit of an anxiety in my life. And so I, I was listening to this and it was really, really calming. And I really enjoyed that from it. And I think actually that's one of the themes of this record. Hmm. And so um, going through that from Moby, who's already a pretty chill kind of guy. Um, I really benefited from. So I've been really loving that album, actually. Um, it's Sorry not as most famous. Sorry then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of uh, Oh, actually, yes. I'm looking at Wait For Me. Um You've probably seen the character from yes. the, little, the, the little guy. Is yeah. this got Why Does My Heart Feel So Bad on it? No. no. That's that's on play. Yeah. This the, the most famous song on this one is called Shot in the Back of the Head. Is called uh this one. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've not yeah. heard this one. It's good. Cool. It's very real, it's very relaxing. Um He's he's done a lot of ambient music lately, which You'd think I would be totally all on top of, but I just haven't got there yet. Um, he just, he actually released one this year, actually. It's called 23. Yes. Yeah, I think I've got that in the... Yeah, I've got that in the list to listen to. But I remember listening to his, like, yoga album. Like, he mm. wrote this ambient album that was just designed to do stretches and Pilates too. So <laughs> I I listened to that a little bit. That, that was a while back. I think it was Long Ambience 2 in 2019. Yeah. So... Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Yeah, he's great. I I love eighteen. I mean, that's pretty typical. But um it's, it's great. a great album. Um okay, this is a bit of a weird one. Mm. So um <laughs> how do I approach this topic? So um a popular internet trend at the moment has been videos of the presidents with <laughs> AI gener- generated voices doing stuff together is this the gregory um, bros one no the i didn't see that remix. um <laughs> so this so like all these different kind of things and one of the ones that came to my forefront is um joe biden and donald trump as like um <laughs> as like hardcore emo punks in the 2000s like oh. lamenting life yeah and it to be honest, it really uh, took me back to being 15 again. And so I went through some emo bands that I haven't really gone through for a while. And I found one on Bandcamp that I've been really, really loving listening to called Iron Chic. Okay. Um, and it's just kind of, I don't know, I guess this, this is nostalgia for me. Yeah. Um, it's just like a nice little bit of hardcore 
a little bit of emo, just just kind of fun, having fun. Um, nothing too, nothing too special. Um, I totally get that. I'm totally with you. <laughs> That's why I listen to Under Oath sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And then um, last but not least, this is just a little single. Um, again, from the British Isles, uh, from Ireland specifically, a band called the Gurriers. Um, mm, they have okay. a song called Approachable, um, which I've been uh, jamming out to. I don't know if these guys have an album coming out or what, but this is a, a pretty hectic single that I've been really loving going through. Um, nice. More, more, po- more post-punk for sure. Um, that's it. I thought just back on the AI stuff. I thought you were going to talk about like <laughs> all the gaming videos between the presidents, <laughs> um, and how ridiculous they are. And the I just saw the Gregory brothers had used AI to, yeah, get Barack Obama to cover some pop song that's popular yeah. at the moment. I mean, like it's bad. both funny. And terrifying at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Nick, like, I don't know if you... Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say Nick Lutzko has been going mad with those, getting, like, Ben Shapiro to, like, talk about his album or something like that. Just yeah. Like, bonkers. it's... I don't know. It's it's so dangerous. The... Um, I don't know if you remember, there's the, uh, a video game reviewer named Total Biscuit who passed away a little while ago. Um no. Well, his like his wife was posting about how like people are using oh. his like voice as AI to like you know promote like a promote a game, promote a political opinion, and like that's so bad. You know the the guy's not alive anymore, and so what do you do as like the deceased spouse mm. as people are like using your husband's image to like get away with stuff? Like, do you like? Yeah. Do you take his like two decades of work off the internet so they can't do that and then like destroy his like legacy or oh man yeah. I, AI kind of terrifies me I'll be honest with you <laughs> oh yeah 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 I I know that we I'm laughing about it but I I totally can see the dangers <laughs> yeah. of this I mean, kind of thing yeah and making fun of the presidents I'm all for it we can do that any day of the week <laughs> oh man we um, we've started the show and ended the show with some dark topics so hey do you want to take <laughs> us out. <laughs> Black Mirror, baby. All right. Thank you all for listening to this episode of what we're listening to. Um, as always, it is a joy to share music with each other. Um, we have all our social medias where you can contact us, maybe suggest some music or mm-hmm. just say you like an episode, share them around. Um, we have an interview out soon uh, with, An- with Andrew Tasselmeyer and Asher. Um, we're going to get that out as soon as possible to give you a list of that. Sweet. And then as... As always, uh, we have a playlist with the songs that we talk about. Um, just just watch out for Mersbo is all I'll say. Um, and if you uh, feel like being so generous, leave us a rating and a review on the podcast app of your choice. It helps us get out to the almighty algorithm that rules all of our lives so we can share with more people and slowly conquer more Eastern European nations with our talking. Uh, <laughs> Yes. So once again, thank you for listening. My name is Josh. Thank you, Asher. We'll see you later. See you, man.